Your story influences your business. This is Wingrove Street, an entrepreneurial leaders podcast where we hear the story behind the startup. Brought to you by Melbourne Innovation Centre. Hi everyone, David here. We are very fortunate to have a strong community of amazing entrepreneurs here at MIC who are solving global problems through innovative startup business models. This week, during the Australian Open, where Reground is collecting tons of Lavazza coffee, we had the opportunity to speak with founder Nina Larson about her background, experiences, and the establishment scale and 2020 focus for Reground. Nina and her team have been an excellent addition to our MIC community in Alphington, collaborating with a range of local enterprises solving food and waste challenges, including the Melbourne farmers markets. On to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Wingrove Street, um, the Melbourne Innovation Centre podcast, where we're really excited to be talking to Nina Larson today from Reground um, and and hear a bit about your story and, and more about the business. And there's some really exciting things happening. So welcome, Nina. Thank you. Um, so I guess we'll jump straight in and and Reground, from my perspective, has, has received some really excellent coverage um, and especially it's very topical recently with the Australian Open story. Yeah. But just taking a couple of steps back, can you can you just give us a, the elevator pitch of Reground and what it is that you do? Sure. So Reground is a waste educational service. What we do is we collect um, isolated um, source-separated waste streams such as coffee grounds, chaff, and soft plastics, and we collect that and divert that to local end users, such as home gardeners, or with our plastics, we take it four minutes up the street to a plastics recycler. For us, it's all about source separation and hyper-local diversion. So we are a service that's collecting, but also educating, and that is the difference for us um, in terms of other waste collection services, but also just a hybrid business, different business model to what is usually how businesses run. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Um, and we're, we're always really interested um, in the individual behind yeah. the business. Yep. And so as the founder, mm-hmm. um, tell us a little bit about your experiences, I guess, um, growing up in Denmark and, and really interested in your education as well yeah yeah. (laughs) great well i haven't actually talked much about that but it is a good point because it's it's actually played a huge part in in my thinking um yeah i grew up in denmark and in denmark i think because of the size of the country we have been developing or forced to been forced to develop processes internally in our society that um used waste as a resource essentially so um the first waste strategies dates back to the early 70s and ever since then Denmark has has trialed and tested ways to recover waste and and for to use that as a resource so innovate with it and create businesses around it and also communicate to the general public how important it is to source separate so a great example is my parents' house. We have eight bins 
And that is just common practice. So we don't see that as being harder. It's not worse in terms of the space that the Mm. bins take up. It is actually easier. Often when I go back home and I'm like, oh, you know, what bin to put this in? If I have a waste material, let's say it's soft plastics, I'm, I will be able to identify which bin it needs to go into easily. Yes, yes. Whereas here in Australia, because we usually only have two or three bins maybe, it's way harder, it creates confusion. So I think that's one of the things that I inherently kind of t- brought with me to Australia when um, I traveled down here in 2012. Yes. Just this understanding of where you can go as a society in terms of waste. But in saying that, waste wasn't my focus. Yes. You know, yeah, as yeah, you're yeah, saying yeah. with my education, I studied design and cultural uh, economics. And so it was a hybrid uh, degree studying design thinking and the design process. Excellent. And um, economics. So how to run a business, essentially. We had a lot of... Uh, subjects dealing with you know everything involved involved with running a business so I think um, that even though that education didn't cover waste um, we still like the processes the practices of thinking in that way helped me when I or when I then got to Australia and started working in a cafe so in this instance it was really just presenting a context in which to apply those skills that you exactly. developed yeah. Um, and, and obviously things that you've grown up with. So they're obviously, and I guess that's my question as well. Is it mm. deeply ingra- ingrained in the culture in Denmark that, that we don't, we value recycling, we understand waste at a deeper level and, and the importance of, I mean, I just, just as an aside from that, just prior to Christmas, I was in Shanghai mm. and I was actually really surprised by the sophistication of their separation methods with recycling as well. Um, mm. And there seemed to be you know, a really good attitude towards having several different plastics, even even in a public context. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, I think all countries that are small in scale um, need, not by you know, numbers of residents or anything, Mm. but by land size are forced to, to innovate. It's just a given that, that they, that that happens. And I think, um, the other benefit is that you have more collaboration between businesses, government, and then people living in, uh, Denmark, for example, because we have to communicate, we have to talk. And when you share in terms of, you know, different levels of society you just get the best results the best solutions to problems no one wants to live near a landfill no one wanted to live near a landfill in denmark in 19 uh, 1970s so i mean this will happen in australia as well yes yeah and that's where yeah i completely agree the best solutions come with a collaborative approach so it just it just makes a lot of sense so Mm -hmm. take us now to 2012 and what was the inspiration behind coming to Melbourne? So I wanted to, when I finished my degree, I wanted to go live in a, in a different country and I wanted to learn English and I wanted to just have a a year off essentially. And I went to Melbourne. Um, I'd previously worked at uh, the Danish cultural Institute where I was introduced to Australia and to Melbourne 
through some colleagues and that's actually how I ended up in Melbourne. And not Sydney, I was originally going to go to Sydney, but someone said, you're into culture, why are you going to Sydney? You should go to Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm quite happy with that because I think culturally it actually does fit me much better than Sydney. Well, we're happy you came to Melbourne. (laughs) And I think think that was good advice. I think it's a much better fit. Um, So, I mean, obviously we touched on context before, you know, you're in probably one of the preeminent cities in terms of coffee culture in the mm. world here in Melbourne. We, yeah. We're obsessed with coffee. Um, so, and, and you're working as a barista. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So how did that come about? Mm. And, and, and tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah. So I think as with any travellers yeah. or almost all travellers that are coming to Australia as a backpacker or as just someone that wants to stay for a year, you fall into hospitality. It's such a great industry to meet people and, you know, facilitate relationships and experience the city. So I wanted to work in hospitality just because I wanted to to access people. And... I didn't, I had no knowledge, prior knowledge of coffee. I didn't even like coffee. And I just happened to to get a job at Seven Seeds, which is one of the best cafes um, in Melbourne and a really great roastery. So I started working there. And from then on, I just kept working in hospitality and learn about coffee, learn about how Mel- Melbourne and Mel- Melbournians value the the taste of coffee and how it's grown and how it's brewed I think it, it was a wonderful experience for me and it's followed me to this day I yes. mean this is still the industry I'm in um yeah and so and then obviously while you while you're working as a barista yeah. you, you recognize this significant problem and this significant yeah. failing yeah, yeah I it wasn't in the early days it was more so when I um started working at Patrick Coffee up in Brunswick East. And that was, I had been working there for close to a year. And I was also starting to get a little bit, and that's what tends to happen, I think, if you don't have other interests or participate in other work. But my brain was just starting to get a little bit bored. And I was looking for things to work on. And I just happened, you know, one of my work days to kind of have conversations with my boss at that time about, you know, what's the issue with, with the coffee industry. And yeah, let's talk about the coffee waste. Like what, what actually happens? And we just started to, to come to have conversations about that and ongoing Mm -hmm. conversations. And, um, and we brainstormed some solutions and I just went out and, and tested the solutions. So how did you test that? That would be fascinating to hear. Yeah. The way I tested it was, I got in touch with Ceres, which is yes. a community um, garden. I've been very close to to the cafe I worked at, and I just asked the head gardener at the time, "Could you would you be able to use coffee grounds in your garden gardening?" And he said yes, and that's actually how we started sort of okay. trialing the service, but also me starting to research what is the best use of coffee grounds, what can it be used for, are there other avenues I can go down um, other than, you know, gardening, composting, sort of related stuff. Yeah, and because the model 
with reground relies on both ends. I can't ignore what we call the end user, so the community gardens yes. or the home gardeners. You, I have to become really familiar with with both spaces, so both cafes and then also gardening and gardeners, which is a whole different, you know, industry to to hospitality businesses and people in in that industry. Yes, yes, definitely. And so, and, and I guess what were some of the some of the challenges even at that early stage in terms yeah. of how how and frequency of delivery and how it's delivered and and those types of so i guess the logistics around those initial te- tests and the yeah. trials of yeah i tested the service over four months and okay. most of it was to learn how quickly the bin that i bought would fill up with coffee okay so it was trying to work out that equation so oh it took half a week for this cafe to fill bin up to the top and then I would have to wheel that down to series and then dump the coffee. Um, and what I quickly learned was that the cafe produced way more coffee than what I had expected. Okay. And the rate that series was using the coffee at wasn't pick, keeping up with, with the supply. So quickly and very early on, I was forced to focus pretty much all of my attention on developing a network of end users because I couldn't just give all of the coffee to series. I had to start distributing to more gardens. So that was actually paused the whole bringing on new cafes to grow the model. I had to Yeah, there was first... no, no supply issue. <laughs> no, there was absolutely no yeah. supply issue. The issue was people didn't understand the, the benefits of coffee in gardening. So they were hesitant to try it out. And so what I did was I built up, a, you know, a folder of research that I had to present to them. And then slowly from, from, from there on, gardeners started to believe and trust that it wasn't harmful to their garden and to their soil. So that was actually my first headache in terms of the model was um, building the network of end users. So and, and essentially educating and yep. building and creating a market. Really, That's right. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was the hardest work I've ever done in Reground was that. Okay. So it wasn't actually growing the business or selling to cafes. It was building confidence um, in everyday people because it's everyone can access the coffee grounds. So all I needed to do was just get a handful of people that wanted to take this on a regular basis yeah. that so I could be confident in collecting coffee from businesses because I wouldn't I didn't want to collect waste or coffee grounds that I knew I couldn't give to a sustainable end use. Yes. So, yeah, for I think for a whole year I dealt more with the end users than with the cafe side of the model. But now that's completely different. So do you remember through that phase, just yep. to touch on that a little bit more, mm. do you remember a distinct moment or period where you say we've, we've, we've tipped over that edge now where the momentum was starting to roll on that demand side for the... Yeah, I had a spreadsheet and I... Because the way it works now is the people email us and they just get plucked into a date in our spreadsheet. And that was actually also how it worked back then. And I was like, okay, now I have end users scheduled in for the next two months. Now I feel okay with bringing on more people, more cafes, that is. And 
expanding also the number of cafes we service um, because if I collected three bins versus two bins, I would be given more, giving more coffee to the end user. So they would just receive more coffee, more kilos yes, of coffee. Yes. So I, the exercise for me was really to communicate that and find the sweet spot for when, um, how many do I, how many end users do I need, and how much can they take at each delivery? Right now, they receive a ton of coffee, so I could scale quite a bit for them to hit that spot of now it's too much okay. yeah a ton of coffee is quite easy to handle in a, in a garden with a an active compost <laughs> but it sounds like a lot it does sound like a huge yeah. amount of coffee yeah. i just think about how much we produce at home just with our small domestic machine yeah. and and it does it actually fills up the compost bin quite quickly yeah. at home yeah um but but we use it we're plant mad at our place um yeah <laughs> um so I guess that really leads in nicely to the next question I mm. had, which is around how important is data to the business? Yeah. Because I've seen some really nice reports mm. about the amount of coffee you're collecting and, and how much you're saving from, from going to landfill. So yeah. how important is, is data in the overall story and the day-to-day running of the business? It's everything. Data, yeah. we are collecting all kinds of data and it's the way we tell stories. It's mm. the way we prove what we do um, to our businesses, but also to local and state government. We collect data on how much we collect of waste, coffee, chaff, and plastics, but we also collect a lot of data on behavior because like I said, we're an education service. So it's in our interest to see that when we educate a business that they actually reduce the amount of waste they create and not just keep diverting it because that is that is the top of the hierarchy that we are interested in is avoidance yes. and, and reduction. So we, cr- we collect so much data to prove that what the methods and the, um, yeah, the methodology is working. The other thing is, and the reason why it's so important for us to collect data is also because not, not a lot of focus is being uh, put on education. So a the government is talking a lot about diversion and diverting from landfill. But as we've seen with the big recycling crisis, even though we put waste in a recycling bin and feel better about it, it might not actually solve the problem. Yes. So that's why we are starting to gather a lot of data so we can actually measure what things work when we want to address the avoidance and the reduction part of the waste hierarchy. And, and ultimately influence decision makers. Absolutely. I would imagine. Yeah, at, absolutely. At multiple levels. Absolutely. That is the main goal is so, to, to back the, the work that we do. Excellent. And in group. terms of relationships with government and dialogue and narrative with government, how, how has that journey been for you? Um, well, we are sitting in on a lot of workshops, a lot of strategy yeah, yeah. Um, sessions, and we do have a say. We are being taken seriously in, in the context of waste. We are, you know, working with small to medium-sized businesses. That is our market. And that also is uh, 99.8% of the total um, shareholdings of small to medium to large businesses so it's a huge market that needs to be addressed but it's a harder one because they all have 
unique behaviors that yes. is harder to measure and track. Um, but but we are we are doing that work. We're doing that legwork, and no one has done that before. So that's why I think we are important in the, in the conversation really and being, critical in the conversation yeah. but like yeah. i said in the very very start about how it's all for us um and the beauty of the model in denmark is that it's collaborative we are interested in seeing all levels of society you know fix this problem because it is a complex issue it's not just about business but business is a great starting point businesses and especially small to medium-sized businesses employ so many people and we through work could change behavior in our houses and in our families you know we're just seeing this conversation as a way to to kind of change the system from the bottom and up yeah because unfortunately the government um federal government doesn't believe in what we believe in that this is should be the a priority yeah a priority yeah. Yeah. um but we will we are proving them wrong yeah and i think what's really important is as we go through um i always talk about short political cycles mm. um and what is seen as a priority that that businesses and enterprise can be used as a vehicle to continue that narrative yeah and maintain a really consistent message around sustainability and, and recycling and waste yeah um, and i think another point is and i think that's the importance on you know why we are dealing with businesses is that you know once businesses see that this is um and they are seeing this by the way now but that this is better business not just in terms of the marketing but also bottom line like your the money they save in being more resourceful with their waste yes actually makes for a more sust financially sustainable business so that's the language we're using, you know, to really be promoting the greater cause, which is that we need to take responsibility in terms of climate change. But, you know, we we want to have that conversation in a practical way, yes. which is reground. Yeah. So, so tell me, just to jump onto that as well, about yeah. in terms of sustainability of your business. Yeah. Um, and obviously you've built up, very steadily over a number of years now. Mm. Um, what does the next stage of growth or, or sustainability look like for your business? And, and obviously aware that Caitlin joined in 2016 yeah. and that would have been, I, I would imagine, an amazing help in terms of the next level of scale and a bit of a game changer. Yeah. So where, where to now for reground in terms yeah. of that, that next step? Well, we have great plans, but we are becoming or really solidifying our role as a waste behavior expert this yes, year. That's yes. our focus. Excellent. Whereas the past few years have been about growth in terms of, you know, financial growth and just growing our services and our offerings. This year is all about the data and working out how to analyze the data we've already got and how we can translate that to methods um, that we can use to change behavior in terms of reduction of waste. Um, we've just hired six months ago our operations manager who is, our accountants told us that the best decision a business, a small business could ever make is hiring an operations manager. And I, we were like, nah, but it's totally 
amazing and were true that you know hiring Luke for for us was like now we can start to focus, focus on, on strategy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. we've been doing all the all of the hard work. Well, um, that that was that was basically forming my next question is mm. around the fact that you day to day you're collecting collecting coffee you're doing all of that day-to-day work yeah the, yeah and and it's the life the lifestyle of an entrepreneur yeah that, that it's the <laughs> late night strategy sessions it's yeah the, it's the sitting at home over the laptop or the or the notepad and saying where to next where you really need time during your working day to be getting through that detail and making yeah. sure you really focus consistently so yeah. and that's, I, that's really encouraging to hear that yeah. you're able to do that now it is amazing yeah. that we have we've come to a point where we can step back and yeah. be a little bit more intentional because the bad thing, which is a blessing, but also a distraction is all of the opportunities that land in our lap. Yes. And we're like, yes, yes. But we should start to say no more because we have a focus and the focus is for us to reduce waste and help businesses you know, but that's what we've been guilty of for many years now is to say yes to too many things. We want to collaborate, but the reality is also that in small business, some things are not necessarily relevant to your cause yes. or your purpose. And and that's what I think is beautiful about this year for Reground is that we are very strong-willed now in terms of having a clear focus and working on reducing waste which is you know really all yeah we're doing and have been doing but now it's just more us doing that 100 percent and not 60 percent. and i think i think that point that you've made would resonate with any business owner in terms of being able to maintain a clear focus and mm. and to be able to say no and and i know i'm very guilty of this myself you get thrown amazing opportunities all the time mm. um and and ultimately what you need is a a decision making framework that you can say this is what we're in the business to do and this is what we don't do as yeah. an organization and it's really uh, difficult it because <laughs> it it comes with fear it comes with a fear of you know am i going to miss out on something am i going to say no to something that actually was a really really helpful you know, relationship or opportunity. But I think when you've done it enough, you're kind of like, you you get better at sort of determining what is going to help you and, and not. So we are still collaborating with universities, with government and with many businesses, but it's just like all of those weird partnerships that are like not going to help us directly. It's just... Too core. bad we're too small. Yeah. yeah, our team is too small to actually do that. Yeah, and I think that can sometimes be a product of being really lean. So you think you're able to to be agile enough to take on board these yeah. partnerships, but at the same time, you need the resource and capability to yeah. deliver. Yeah, at the same. Yeah. yeah, and for us, it is it is really about the results. We don't want to be talking about this uh, forever and ever. We want to produce results. We want to create evidence. And that requires, you know, that we don't just strategize, but that we also, you know, implement the strategies um, at businesses and for ourselves and showcase to and like analyze the data. And that takes so much time, but it's all a part, part of that, you know, that full picture of, you know, achieving our goal. But 
you know, I think often for us anyways, it's been, we've done a lot of talking and then, yeah, that's, that would be really cool to do that. And let's start the process. Like let's make the strategy, but we haven't followed through. Yes. So we haven't been able to actually, you know, create the results we wanted to do. So, so that's what we're doing now. It's, it's committing a hundred percent to what we really focusing on execution. Exactly. Terrific. So I I guess this is, this is a broad question as well, but to, to our growing audience of the podcast, what, what can people do to contribute and support reground? The best thing anyone can do to help support the mission we're on is to um, drink coffee at cafes that care about the planet. And there are lots of cafes that say they do, but don't put their money where the mouth is. Um, The best way to, to, to help us and to help the planet is to support the businesses that truly cares. And that is ask them, what do you do with your waste? Ask them, you know, even it would be great if there was some transparency in terms of what are they paying their staff members. It's all about operating sustainable businesses in like the holistic, yeah, yeah, in that yeah. full um, meaning of that word. You know, we need better operators out there. So we need to, that's what we can do as individuals is, is hold them accountable. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like when I say this in a, in a business and startup you know, sort of scenario and context like, like this one, it's hard because when you're starting up, it's kind of like you're also just, just getting there, you know. But with established businesses, there is no excuse anymore. You know, businesses should take responsibility and implement sustainable practices and I, and I think there's enough evidence now to suggest that it makes really good economic sense exactly. as well. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's overwhelming proof that yeah. it makes good sense. Yeah. 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 So drink coffee where, you know, there are good operators because we need more of them and they need more support. Excellent. Well, yeah. Nina, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank you so much for coming in and being our guest. Uh, it's been really interesting to learn more about the business. I've learned a lot today um, that I didn't already know. Um, so thank you so much for your time and and good luck for the year. It sounds thank like it's you. a really exciting yeah. year ahead. It is. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. No pleasure. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you.